The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. And good morning. It is Thursday. Welcome to Raising the Bar. I'm your host, Amy Bredo. Pretty excited to introduce my guest to you today. Uh, I think a lot of people deal with these issues, so we will dive right in. Uh, My guest is a narcissistic personality disorder abuse expert, and a lot of us really want to know what that's about. She's a radio show host, an author, and a life issues counselor. So I'd love to introduce to you my guest today, Randy Fine. Randy, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Amy. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. It is. It is. I'm really glad we connected. I'm looking forward to this relationship because you, uh, your website and your book titles, and I'm going to be diving into some of those um, almost fearfully but excitedly, if that makes any sense, (laughs) (laughs) because uh, I know we spoke on the phone about um, being victims of a narcissistic parent or being in relationships where, you know, our counterpart is a narcissist and we may not realize it. So I think that's going to be very interesting to people. You know, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of your backstory and kind of um, what you learned throughout your own experience, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that, and then we can move forward. Oh, sure, sure. Well, I'm the daughter of a mother who has narcissistic personality disorder and a father who is both an enabler of that uh, as well as some other personality disorder that he has on his own, which I've yet to identify, um, <laughs> because it's all mixed up into with PTSD and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, but bottom line is, I'm one of three sisters, and our childhood was highly abusive, not physically but emotionally. Mm-hmm. But uh, with, with, when you are the victim of narcissistic personality disorder abuse, you don't know what's really going on. And generally around ages, between ages 35 to 45 is when people wake up and realize what has happened in their life and they begin to question it. And that's what happened with me. Um, I was what was called my mother's golden child. I was her favorite. And uh, also in the family, we had a scapegoat child and an invisible child, which is really typical in these families. But as the golden child, I was my mother's favorite. Now, it gives, uh, the, it gives the child privilege to be that role, but the child is also objectified rather than valued for who they are. Okay. So, so as the golden child, um, I grew up without really understanding who I was, liking who I was, validating who I was, 
believing in who I was, um, also thinking that I had to be perfect and pleasing in order for people to like or love me. And it causes all kinds of problems, codependency and um, lack of self-esteem and all kinds of issues that as you get older, it impacts your life. It impacts your adult relationships and really everything that you do. And you find that your life is just not working for you. So that's kind of what happened with me. This is a highly insidious disorder. It is not typical narcissism as one would think. And there's, there's a very distinct difference between narcissistic personality disorder and narcissism. And um, narcissistic personality disorder is a mental illness that is classified in the same category as antisocial personality disorder, which would be, you know, like psychopaths and sociopaths and borderline personality disorder histrionic. There's a whole bunch of them that go in there. But wow. this is a pathological disorder, um, and it is dangerous to anyone who they encounter, who these people encounter. How, how did you... I haven't heard of this before I started learning about you and your work. So how did you, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying when those ages between 35 and 45, and I'm right there, I'm 42. So I'm, I, I see what you're saying. I can kind of step back and, and look at different things in my life and, and go from there. But how did you discover that that was actually the way you could pinpoint that? And I'm sure that you being the golden child, you know, as you're telling your story, I'm thinking about my own children. I have four kids, and I'm thinking about, well, who would feel like that? Who would feel like this? Like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? You know, I have no idea. So I'm going to try to not self-analyze through this whole thing, at least for the moment. But how did that affect your relationships with your siblings? Well, the, you know, I was, I was loved by both of my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my sisters is five years older than me. The other is seven years older than me. Okay, so they thinking. both loved me. Mm-hmm. But... There was problems because there's techniques that the narcissistic parent uses to wreak havoc in the family, to create drama, to cause nobody to like each other in the family. And uh, one, of the te- one of the tactics is called wow. triangulation, which is where the narcissistic parent controls the flow of information in the family. So in my case, my mother would go to school talk to me and say one thing and slant it in the direction that she wanted it with me uh, and then tell each of my sisters maybe the same thing but slant it in a way whether she wanted to abuse them, abuse them with the information. Um, but with each person she would say, don't say anything to your sisters. I'm not really sharing this with anyone else. Oh, wow. This went on for years and years and years. And so what she did was she created problems among the siblings, which is very, very typical. It wasn't so much an issue with myself and my sisters, but it was a huge issue between the two of them. They were arch enemies for years and years and years. Now, so sad. Yeah, and now as adults, uh, we're all the very, very best of friends because we've uncovered the truth, and now we understand what was done to us, and there really was no problem that my mother did not create. So so when you came to this place of realization, I mean, that's kind of, I, I know it's kind of cliche to say you have an aha moment, but really this is huge. It is huge information that was, 
again, we can talk about the healing that comes from this realization. So was that a very good um, place for you to start this new relationship with your sisters to kind of sit down together and say, like, let's look at this. Like, let's look at this, dissect it, and realize that it didn't need to be between us, especially for your two sisters to heal their relationship. I'm so thankful they were able to do that, you know, while they were able. Right. You know, it's, un- it's unfortunate that probably a lot of, um, I'm thinking about some people I know in my own experience, a lot of people may have this disorder and someone may pass and it's never resolved. Exactly. Well, one would hope <laughs> that there yeah. would be an aha moment. Um, but this is such a strange syndrome. Um, and when I say syndrome, I'm talking about what happens to the abused. Right. It's such a strange syndrome that there is no aha moment at first. There is, there is little inklings and bits of recogni- um, you know, recognition. Right. And when I started this journey, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. So I went to a therapist, and my therapist pointed out that I had no boundaries in my family system, and she did suggest that perhaps my mother was a narcissist. But I sort of put that on the back burner. Right. But over the years, it kept, it kept coming up, and I really did not like my mother, but I felt really guilty for not liking her. And... I didn't understand why I didn't like her, but I started to look into this. And the more I looked into it, it was like, my mother is textbook. She is, you know, you could have put her name there. Everything that describes this personality disorder was my mother, and all the tactics they used was my mother. But when you come, when you come from a family like this, everybody's in their own corner. It is a survival of the fittest. Wow. Every single person is trying to survive in, in whatever way they can figure out. And because if this happens in childhood and you aren't taught boundaries, you aren't taught coping skills, you end up compensating in very unhealthy ways because the abuse is so bad that you would go insane if, you, if your brain did not try to compensate somehow for what was happening to you. So, so when you first realize that this is what's happening, it is very, very confusing. And there's a lot of bouncing around between, did this really happen? Was it my responsibility? Was she as bad as I thought she was? And a whole lot of questions. And when I first came to this, I realized that I had to stop all contact with my parents in order to find to figure out what was going on with me and my sisters were highly judgmental about this because I was thinking of myself but they were trained we were actually we were all trained to right. put mother first in everything mm-hmm. we do and so it seemed almost cruel that I would suddenly cut her out of my life in order to heal and I got a lot of things thrown at me, like, you know, the, 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 the Ten Commandments, you know, thou sh- you're supposed to honor your father and your right. mother, and right. all these kind of things guilt laid in on me. But I had to stick to, you know, my resolve, because I knew that it was the only way I could get over this. And so I went through the whole process, and I became 
an expert on this and help, began helping other people, writing about this, doing shows about this. And uh, there was a crisis that happened with one of my sisters and my mother, and I finally intervened. And I explained the whole thing to them, and I explained what was going on. And long story short, I got my sisters on board, and they began. And I began um, counseling them through the process and helping them to understand. So, at, so it was after a whole lot of work and a whole lot of you know um, ups, ups and downs that we finally came together. And it's unusual in a family that um, siblings do come together. Generally, they do not. You know, it's interesting, and I'm sure this process took years. It wasn't a quick fix. And in our last few minutes before the break, you know, so you would say a lot of your education was through your own healing, through your own treatment, through your own process and and note-taking and research and reading. Um, You know, I don't know if in psychology majors or classrooms today, you know, they're probably teaching this now, I would think, because you said your mom was textbook. So clearly there's... there's, um, data available in this time, and maybe we can touch on it too in the next segment, I would love to hear, uh, and probably our listeners would like to hear how your mom came through it, or if she came through it, or, you know, okay. you know, faced it. Because I have found in my own experience, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm sure that many of our listeners have had experiences like this, and, and something that really struck me was when you said you would evaluate wait a minute, is this really my fault? Wait a minute, did I do this? Like, I have been, I have said that to myself in a few different relationships um, or circumstances a few times. So it's interesting that I, that I'm sure more people than we think carry symptoms of this disorder. Um, You know, I would like to also lead our listeners to, to check out your website. So it's Randy, R-A-N-D-I, fine, F as in Frank, I-N-E dot com, correct? It's actually Randy G fine dot com. Oh, for goodness with sakes, the, I apologize. Middle, well, yeah. I'm glad I spelled it out because I missed it completely. So yeah, Randy yeah I just want to yeah. encourage people to go to that today, too, so that they can see, you know, your books that are available and everything you have, your, your website is you know, a huge resource. I really have been enjoying clicking on things and listening and reading. And and um, you've done a really, really great job with that. So we are going to head into a break. Um, do you have any last-minute thoughts you would like to talk about? You know, you said, well, I guess when we come back, do please touch on your siblings before we move forward because I would like to know, you know, what happens when families don't come back together or what's a great way for our listeners or how do we identify that we are being abused, you know, and, until we can, you know, be, get brave enough to get to that place to get the help. Right, you know? right. And all the things that you just said are things that when people come to me for counseling, they are struck with the same kind of confusion that I had. It's, it's, it's really typical when somebody it's interesting because it really is confusion. You know, I, I it's like I said. A- yeah, it's really it is. It's very confusing, and and there is well. When we come back, I'm going to explain to you exactly what what is what kind of information is out there. Okay. That would be great. That would be great. I know okay. we just are. I was almost going to um, hurry myself a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel like I, I really would encourage our listeners to self-evaluate, not look for a problem. <laughs> but, if right. you find your, but if you find yourself feeling like that, or I always called it um, the behavioral tap dance. Be- because 
you know, I had parents that weren't married, and I had one situation of abuse with my father and his family. I had one situation that I just didn't want to make waves um, with my mom. I love my mom. She's great. I'm just saying, you know, being raised by a single parent and being a small kid and watching stress even when you don't really know how to process it as a child, yeah. like you like you said, you learn how to cope and you learn how to, like I said, do the tap dance. It's the only way I've ever been able to describe <laughs> it in analyzing myself or sharing it with people. So, um, yes, please check out randygfine.com. That website is amazing. There's so much information on there. And you can also follow Randy's um, radio show, too, at blogtalkradio.com slash Randy Dash Fine. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, you are listening to Raising the Bar. I'm Amy Bredo, and we will be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Raising the Bar. I'm Amy Bredo, and today we're speaking with Randy Fine. She is a life issues counselor, radio show host, author, and an expert on narcissistic personality disorder. And this is a new one to me, although now that I'm learning about it, Randy, I feel like it's not new, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know if my experiences are the same as yours, and I also find that I'm going to be worried that I could be this way. So I would like to talk more and kind of follow up on what we were speaking of. We were talking about you know sibling relationships being repaired. So I know you wanted to touch on that. Right. Well, what I wanted to say before we went to break is um, you were saying that, you know, obviously, because I was able to figure this out through research, that there must be a lot of information out there. There, What I want to explain is that 
people that have the personality disorder, yes, this is something that is taught to therapists. This is something that is in what's called the DSM-5, which is the, the Bible that all mental health professionals use to diagnose. So, yes, this personality disorder is clearly spelled out, and, um, and there are um, recommendations for how to diagnose it. However, the abuse which is a syndrome that happens to people that, that are um, abused at the hands of these people with this personality disorder, that is not something that is spelled out anywhere for mental health professionals. They're not, they don't learn about it in school. It's not classified um, by the American Psychiatric Association. So there is no um, solid information out there about what happens to victims of this abuse. And so what happens is when they go to a therapist trying to get help, they end up, it actually ends up getting worse because the therapist may judge their, you know, may say, well, you really need to patch up these relationships or um, you're suffering from depression or, yeah, you have childhood issues, let's work on childhood issues. They may touch on various things, but they won't get to the meat of it because unless you've experienced it and you have tremendous experience working with people like this, um, you can't help anybody. And so I'm always telling people to be very, very careful with who they go to um, to get help, and it's very important that they do. So I wanted to clarify that. Um, Let's see. Okay. So you wanted me to talk about the siblings or, or how to identify this or, um, you know, where would you like me to go with this? There's so much information. I just could go on and on. You know, I just feel like um, I just like to talk about kind of the symptoms of it or the red flags. Honestly, that would be my biggest thing is like, what are the red, the red flags? Okay. Okay. The red flags that you are dealing with a person like this. See, there's two sides of this. There's recognizing who the narcissist is and recognizing that you've been abused by one. There's two. It's, it's very different. If you're, the things to look for, um, some of the things that a person with this personality disorder does is they, they can't stand to be criticized in any which way. And when I say okay. criticized, I mean, you can't say even nicely, that's not a nice thing to say to me. Please don't talk to me like that. Or, um, you know, I would rather that you um, say that a different way or even no matter how gentle you say it to them, it's criticism. Can I ask a question about that? I apologize for interjecting. Yes, no, please. So, you know, so it's one of those things that even if it's a legitimate thing where one person hurts another. Yes. So for me to say, like, whatever your intention was isn't what I'm focusing on. It's what was said and how I feel, and I need to acknowledge that. Yes. And and is it a case of the person always just making it a show about them? I don't know how else to say it. Right. That's Okay. You you said that really well, Amy. So what happens is they they get um, injured, in okay. a way, emotionally injured, and they go into rages. That's one way to really tell um, if you're dealing with a narcissist, is if you don't go along with them, 
they rage. It's not just anger, it's rage. It's, it's these faces, these frightening faces, and it's very inappropriate re- in, um, reactions to right. what is happening. They, are never, they never uh, believe that they've done anything wrong. They never, if, you, if, if the person never says they're sorry, it's likely that you're dealing with one of these people. Um, if a person can say they're sorry and, and self-analyze, then they are not a person with this disorder. Anybody okay. that, is, um, that can reflect upon their behavior is not a narcissist. You know, it does not have this disorder. Is there hope for the narcissist, though? Is there, are there reasons that somebody becomes a narcissist? I mean, there's always reasons because of what we're exposed to as, as kids, I, I think. You know, as, so as children, we go through our own things. We learn how to cope. Is that something that is a coping mechanism of something else? Yeah, actually it is. And it always starts in childhood. Okay. People pick up this disorder. It's not something that a person is born with as far as the full-blown disorder. A person, okay. they're kind of, um, they're, you know, the jury's kind of out on whether it's nature or nurture. And the consensus, general consensus, is that it's kind of a combination, that a person comes in with a predisposition to develop this kind of uh, disorder. But it is the circumstances that cause it to become full-blown. Okay. And in childhood, um, there's two different ways that children deal with emotional abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, whatever it is. Right. Um, one is to become a pleaser, and that's a tactic to make sure that they, to try to survive in the environment the best way that they can. So they, they, they become, they're always trying to make peace. They're always trying to... Um, console the person who's out of control, which is, you know, in this case, it would, say it would be the parent. Right. They're doing everything they can to try to bring peace to their, some semblance of peace to their environment. They're the, then there's the children who, this angers them, and they decide that they're going to get other people before other people get them. That's going to be their reaction to this kind of abuse. So there's two different ways to react. Now, the, the, the person who basically says, I'm going to get them before they get me, is the one who develops into uh, someone with narcissistic personality disorder. But there's a, there's a lot more to it than that, because what happens is they are so wounded by what has happened to them, that they put up what's called a false self. Okay. And this false self is what they, what carries them through life. No one ever gets to see the real them. And it's an impenetrable uh, persona that tells them that they are better than everybody else. They have a grandiose sense of self-importance. They are preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, intelligence, brilliance, and beauty. They believe that they are highly unique and special. They require excessive amounts of adoration, admiration, and attention. They feel entitled and um, entitled to favorite, favorite treatment and special privileges. They are interpersonally exploitive. They hurt other people. They have no empathy. Right. Um, 
in there's just a whole there's a list of them they're arrogant haughty patronizing rude this is the persona of someone with this disorder interesting and i'm sure there's varying degrees to it because as you're as you're listing off these symptoms if you will um for lack of a better word, I guess, in the moment, but it, it is, or characteristics. You know, I, I'm thinking of a couple different situations in particular. Now, you know, I know that we're talking about being a victim, you know, we're talking about being victims of this abuse too, but is there is there hope for, for the narcissist? Like I said, I mean, if it can be identified, is there a, a suitable treatment or a su- suitable course of action, assuming <laughs> they'll be right. willing to, to own it? That's a really it. good question. And the answer, <laughs> the answer is, Unfortunately, there is not, and I'll, t- I'll explain why. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so go ahead. The reason is that because, like I explained, the narcissist develops this false self, which, is, um, which tells them that they're perfect in every way. And so if they're driven to the point of needing to get help, if their life becomes so unmanageable that they end up in, the, in a therapist's office, they will never accept that they're not perfect. So to tell these people that they have this personality disorder causes them to rage, and they think the therapist is crazy. I mean, they've even threatened to have fist fights sometimes with therapists because they get so angry that they're being accused of having something. So because they cannot see it in any possible way, they cannot heal from it. It's so unfortunate, and um, you know, I, again, we all can think of people that we know that that may, you know, say things. It's interesting. I have um, a relationship of somebody that had a really rough upbringing, you know, but all the time she'll joke around like, "Well, I'm the queen. I can do this. I can do that. Like I'm perfect. It's all about me." And like she'll say it like she's joking, but her her actions speak more so that she's not like. Um, you can tell her that she hurts her feelings or you can tell her that, you know, hey, you know what, like, that's pretty disrespectful to say that to that person or that's just rude. Like, no, it's not. If they're, mm-hmm. you know, if they're, if they're talking that way to me, like, whatever, they'll get over it. It's not my problem. It's always a, a case of her saying it's not her problem. And the fact of the matter is, right, like, will she ever see that it really is? And it's, it's unfortunate. It almost makes me feel a little hopeless. Um, it makes me want to give your books to everybody <laughs> that I can <laughs> think of. And, and I may still do that, you know. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. Now, you know, it, it, it strikes a chord in me to think, like, well, gosh, if she saw this book, would she pick it up? Would mm-hmm. somebody be able to self-diagnose in reading what these characteristics are? They cannot. Huh. And what's really, what's really funny is they will turn it around. The, this is, there's so many, um, so many little ins and outs with this disorder. It can, it's really very, very complicated. But they will generally take the person that they're abusing and and project all those things onto that person. Now, I've had people actually contact me and say, my husband sent me one of your articles, and he's telling me that, you know, that I'm this. Oh, wow. But he's this. But he's this. He's the one, not me. You know, so this is the kind of thing that they do. So they may see it, and then they may begin to accuse the wrong person of being that way because they cannot see it themselves. Now, no one... It's interesting. Projection is a... Yeah, it's, proje- it's projection. It's projection because they can't see it on them. 
Um, the thing that narcissists are known for is lacking empathy. Okay, so right. they can't put themselves in the shoes of anybody. They cannot relate to anyone else's experience. And so, and, and because of that, they have no sympathy for anyone else's experience. Interesting. Now, let me ask a question. So this leading me back to the woman I was speaking of. It's interesting that I feel like there's never any empathy, so much so that if I, if I talk about a certain situation where somebody is physically hurt, you know, I mean, obviously we'll watch America's Funniest Home Videos and somebody wipes out on a slip and slide. You know, like we can laugh, but I don't know. I struggle with watching some of those shows because watching people really hurt themselves, it feels bad to me. I don't know. I just don't want to – I don't want to see it, but then I feel bad – that people are laughing about it. And I'm just giving an example. So, you know, there's been cases like that, but then she came from a background of abuse. So it seems that when she's in a circle of people that grew up like her, that's where I'll see the empathy. But outside of that, forget it. And, and, and it always kind of has confused me. Yeah, I mean, that is really confusing. When you say empathy, what do you mean by that? That's where you can see empathy. Okay, well, that's a good point, too. And we do just have a few moments before the break, but I, okay. I just, now I'm really wanting this an- question answered. Uh, how can I say it? So, you know, um, there were, so she grew up poor. And, you know, she works really hard. She makes good money. She doesn't have any problem giving her money to, you know, causes for girls that grew up like her or have experienced the same types of abuse as her. However, uh, you know, if it's just somebody outside of her demographic or her, uh, like, inner kind of circle – she could really care less. So, you know, she could see a homeless teenager or homeless girl and want to give to her, but she could see, you know, a homeless man and, and not care. So okay. I, I, don't, I just, I don't understand it. But in the last minute, I did just want to share too, you know, we are speaking with Randy Fine. She's amazing. She's a life issues counselor and boy, oh boy, there's a lot of issues out there. So I, <laughs> I think you are, uh, I'm sure I have like thousands. I'm not ashamed, but you know, I'm sure, you know, you are just really wonderful to talk to. So I encourage people to head to your website at randygfine.com. You're also on Facebook. I know I followed you there. And if anybody has any questions or comments, you can reach out to Randy through her website or through um, emailing me even at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. You can also follow the Raising the Bar Facebook Facebook page and find Amy Bredo on Instagram. We can connect you in many, many ways. So when we come back, let's, yeah, let's definitely address what empathy really should look like. Or I mean, I'm not sure how many definitions for it that there are, but, and I would love to talk about your new book coming out. I know you had touched on it um, before we had our little glitch in technology. So I want to make sure that we don't forget that. So you are listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo and Randy Fine today, and we will be back to you in just a moment. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. 
please visit amybredo.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybredo.com. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Again, I'm Amy Bredo. We're talking to my new friend, Randy Fine. I hope that's okay to say because I'm sure I'll be calling you plenty. <laughs> we are, we are um, talking about narcissistic personality disorder and how it has affected us not only through childhood, but how it can affect us even in adult relationships if we didn't grow up that way, correct? I know we were kind of right. touching on that. That's right. So we were discussing empathy and yes. what, it, what it really is. So I would yes. love to get your back on <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and you were talking about your friend, and it's really, really interesting. The narcissist is motivated by anything that gives them admiration, attention, and adoration. So everything that they do is to get external um, support, external kudos for. They don't do anything that they're not getting praise for, and the reason that they do that is because the narcissist is an empty vessel that has, they self-loathe, they hate themselves. And so every kind of feeling that they need that's good has got to come from the outside. And spent, they spend their life soliciting for that. And that's where the abuse comes from. So when you say that your friend grew up poor, number one, that's one of the things that creates the narcissist. Um, poverty okay. creates narcissists. That's one thing. Uh, the fact that she's charitable. I would imagine that when she gives, she's giving to those who make a fuss over the fact that she's giving. Oh. If she, um, she would not do something and remain silent about it. Right, right. And, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying about um, wanting attention. And I, I, I feel like wanting attention or affirmation is pretty normal for a lot of people. And so as you were, and I could be totally off base, but as you were saying these things, I think about like things I do or, um, 
you know, attention that I might want to draw as far as my foundation or for my competitions or for the radio show or things like that. So I'm thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not doing this all wrong. Yet I also, and I know many people get so much joy from giving in silence and doing things that are only seen and received by the person you know, receiving that gift or, or that act of service, mm-hmm. you know, so I guess there's got to be a, a balance to that. You know, we're in a day and age of social media and all these things where posting constantly is the way you get things done because business isn't the way it used to be, you know, so I don't want everybody listening. I wouldn't want them to feel like them um, advertising what they're doing is necessarily narcissistic, but there's got to be some kind of balance in the way you think or view yourself in those posts or in those okay yeah and out- i can outreach. i can clear that up in, in pretty much in one word addiction addiction okay. that's the word the okay. narcissist okay i always like to compare them to a drug addict and attention admiration and adoration is the drug that they must have 24/7 to survive and it's fleeting the second it's given it's lost so they need it constantly. The other thing, other way I like to compare them to is um, like they're, they're parasites. They're like mosquitoes, ticks, leeches. Their blood that they survive on, and I, when I say survive, I mean day-to-day, minute-to-minute survival is on this extreme amount of praise, attention, adoration, and admiration. And they will do anything to get it. And what they do to get it, this is where the abuse comes in. Okay. What they need is what's called narcissistic supply. They thrive on narcissistic supply. Now, narcissistic supply is best gotten from a captive source. So the abuse is, in the, in the relationships that they have, is their way of capturing someone and keeping them around so that they can continue to feed off of them. And in the case of a parent, they grow their own supply by having children. So this is not a mild amount of, you know, um, look at me. This is not a look at me situation. This is desperation to the point of addiction. Ugh, it's upsetting to hear this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it is, is upsetting. It makes me think, and I saw on your webpage too, but as we were talking, it totally went to mommy dearest, you yeah. know, and, and as you're talking about this, I work a lot with um, orphanages in Ethiopia and, you know, I'm thinking about some of the older children that I have met that have really endured some horrific things and, and just, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm working whatever, I'm working with some counselors over there and stuff, and I'm thinking, gosh, they need to be educated on this. So maybe you'd like to go there with me sometime. I'm going to put that out there. I would love to do that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just This is worldwide, Amy. I mean, it really, it is. I hear people all over the world. I I have a counseling client from Iceland. Okay. Um, And she says, this is going on with me. I found your site. I've listened to your shows. And there's nobody here that understands this. Nobody. And this is all over the world. And, and just as you're relating so many of, um, of your relationships and friendships and experiences with what I'm saying, so do other people. And, right. and the nature of it is that those that are abused 
don't know they were abused. Because I'll say to people, they'll say, well, yeah, my mom was like that. And I'll say, well, were you abused as a child? And they'll say, no, 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 no. And then I begin to ask them, you know, the questions that I ask that I need to, that, that help me to determine it. And as I'm asking them, they're going, wait a minute. Was that abuse? Right. Oh, my gosh, that was abuse. Right. But it's done in a way that it is not recognizable. It's interesting because I know that I've, um, I'm a big fan of counseling. So I don't know. <laughs> I want to encourage everybody listening. Like, I feel like everybody should go to counseling at some point in their life because I think that counselors have a gift to just, like you said, help you self-analyze, dissect things, break them down so you can heal. And, and sometimes people need healing and they, and they don't even know. And I'm talking about people that aren't struggling with the narcissistic stuff, but just in general. Um, but I, I can even think about times where like I've been hurt. I'll try to talk about it in, it was a dating relationship a long time ago, but you know, and I was a teenager, so, but still, there was weight to it at the time, you know, and I can remember thinking, like, and saying, like, this really bothers me, like, this, you said this to me, and this is how I felt, but this is really what the situation was, and even as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old kid, to be able to break things down um, logically is pretty huge, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I can remember the person looking at me like, Amy, no, that's not it. And completely turning it around so much so that I was left there standing like, wait a minute. Should I have had hurt feelings? I did. I questioned every, everything that I was upset about and that I thought was valid. I left my – I was like bewildered. Yeah. And, you know, what happens is the healthy brain – which is generally the person who's being abused, because narcissists don't abuse people that, that, are, um, that have the same personality disorder. They abuse people that have normal, healthy brains. And the healthy brain is very analytic and very reasonable and wants to, they want to make, lot, they want to, uh, make sense out of everything. So if something happens and the, per, and the person who does this to them won't acknowledge it, or turns it around, the person with the healthy mind is going to say, well, nobody would treat me that way unless I did X, Y, Z. Right. I must right. have had some responsibility in creating this problem. And, and, but when you're dealing with the narcissist, that's so completely untrue. It's, it's interesting, and I apologize uh, again. My whole point, because I sometimes fly off on tangents, was that I remember talking to the counselor about that specific situation that I just shared, and she was like, Amy, that's abusive. And so back to your point, I did. I found myself not only bewildered, but thinking like, wait, what? That person wouldn't do that. You know, same as what yes. you said. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and th- right. And so when people first come to me and they've, Generally, they find, because I did a six-part series on um, Blog Talk Radio on my show, A Fine Time for Healing, where I really explained all this in detail. And most of the people that come to me have listened to that show and go, okay, that's it. <laughs> that's what I'm dealing with. Are people's homes, like, exploding? You know, I mean, it's, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, but when they come to me, they're, they're so... Confused, and every other sentence, every other word is, does that make sense? Is that right? I know this is really confusing. Am I, is what I'm saying making any sense? This is, this is what I get initially. And, and what I do is help them to understand and validate that their experience is real. 
And, you know, there's so much more I can go into about why the experience doesn't seem real. Um, but I'll just very briefly say that the tactics used by this type of narcissist are the same that are used in um, psychological warfare with prisoners oh, of I war. I lost you. Same thing, oh, wow. um, and also the same thing, tactics that are used to get people stuck in cults. This is mind control of the nth degree, mind control. And that's why people can't see what's really happened to them, because the tactics that are used, narcissists are brilliant, and they all use the same tactics, but it's mind control to the point where the per- it's so covert that the person has no idea what's happening to them. You know, and that leads me to think about your book that's coming out, um, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind. Yes, Close <laughs> Encounters the of the Worst uh, Kind, The Narcissistic, uh, the narcissistic Abuse Survivor's Guide to Healing. This, you know, this book, um, I wrote this with really everybody in mind. I get, I've heard from thousands and thousands of people. I know what they want to know. And, but the book also has really up-to-the-minute research in um, all the different aspects of why people have such a hard time healing from this. So I'm very, very excited about this book, and um, I don't know when it will be out. I don't know what route I'm going, you know, for, uh, right. you know, with publishing. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do that. But when this book comes out, it's going to be the Bible for anyone who's ever suffered this. Because not only do I explain it to them, but I give them all the tools they need for healing, and I even give tools to the people in their life to help them deal with the abuse survivors, because that's such a fragile situation as well. It's so, it is so fragile, and when I said, you know, our home's blowing up, it's, it's so sad. Um, it, it is. It's a, it's a very horrible disorder in the in the terms of you know relationships and family because how many husbands or wives or children are going to wake up and like you need to separate themselves and we have just a few moments or a few minutes before closing and you know um i would love to talk to you about this again so we'll definitely 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 have to have you back for sure definitely oh i can talk i can talk and talk and talk about this there's so much to talk (laughs) about you know, I know for myself, I'm thinking about your book coming out, so I want to say, like, hurry up. But in the meantime, it's great to know that people can go to randygfine.com, and I saw that there is a place for them to submit questions or request um, a call with you. So I want people to be aware of that because I think that's an amazing um, service that you're putting out there for people. But were you ever able, and again, in two minutes, were you ever able to come to any kind of, of common ground with your parents? You know, I, I feel like I don't want to leave that hanging because we've talked okay. about it. <laughs> I think that's important to say, and I'll say it very quickly. Um, I have no contact with my parents because at 87 and 92, my wow. father's 92, my mother's at 87, they've only gotten worse. And the only relationship they want is an abusive one. And I refuse to allow that toxicity into my life anymore. Um, right. It took me a long time to get over it. I also want to say that my email is loveyourlife@randygfine.com, and anyone that wants to ask me questions can definitely email me. And on the second Friday of every month on my show, A Fine Time for Healing, I devote that time to taking calls and answering questions about narcissistic abuse, about people's issues. And if they cannot call in, because I do the show live, 
they can always email me a letter uh, or a question that they'd like to be asked on air, and then I will answer it. So I do that. And also, if you go to my website, randygfine.com, and go to Find Life Issues Counseling, to that page, there's all my policies and a link directly to make an appointment. So uh, I am available for everyone. I love, you know, God bless technology and the, and the availability it gives us to the world because you are doing a great thing. And it was one of the things I'm thinking about you, especially this last week in preparing for this show today, is, you know, thank you for being proactive. And, you know, yes, it's unfortunate that we all have to go through th- through crap, for lack of a better word for that one, too. We, we go through junk. Everybody has their junk. Um, and thank you for being proactive and really investigating it, being willing to learn, um, unended, unending learning with this, because again, as more research comes out, you know, and thank you for being willing to share it, because you really could have just kept this all to yourself and your sisters. And what you're doing is you're bringing light to something that's very dark. And, and I I'm sad for the people that are narcissists. Uh, it makes me sad because they're missing out on a lot of joy and a lot of great things. So I just mm-hmm. want to thank you so much for coming to the show to, or being on the show today. And I'm looking forward to having you on again, speaking with you more, <laughs> and um, looking forward to all the great feedback that we get. Oh, again, thank I, you any, so much. Yeah, it's been abs- wonderful. I, I, I want to say, because I didn't say, that I do my counseling over the phone. So people can be anywhere in the world, pretty much any time of the day, and call and contact me for an appointment. So it's, I'm very accessible. And thank you for acknowledging that. Um, this is not something I can keep to myself, because there's too many people hurting, and it's responsible for a lot of uh, addictions and, and, and problems that are people are having in this world. This is where it's rooted. So I really awesome. feel impelled to bring this out. Yeah, well, we're so thankful you are, and you're leaving an, an amazing legacy. You're, you've made an amazing footprint for, for this research, so we appreciate you. You've been listening to Raising the Bar with me, Amy Bredo, and my guest today, Randy Fine. Please check her out. We're looking so forward to your feedback. We hope you all have an amazing day, and until we see you next time, take care. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.